This episode is in partnership with Gloss Genius. Made for salons and spas, Gloss Genius is the only business management and payments platform that makes it easy to grow revenue and enhance the client experience, which we are all about here on The Treatment Room. From a beautiful online booking site to powerful marketing tools and low payment processing rates, Gloss Genius empowers you to run your full salon or spa in a stylish and smart way while feeling supported at every step. For 50% off for two months, go to glossgenius.com slash signup and enter code TTRSPRING or check the show notes for details. Now let's get back to the show. Hello, welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast. I am your host, Tessa Zolli. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so happy to be back on the mic. I haven't recorded an episode in probably two weeks and I've had stuff pre-recorded, so you might not know that, but yeah, life has been a little crazy lately. I, I think it's been that way for everyone this month. So much going on in the world. And this week especially has just been like a wild, wild ride. I'll give a quick little like life update and then we can get into the rest of the episode. Man, I've had some just medical setbacks this week and everything's okay, but we've been in and out of the hospital a little bit. I had a fun little trip to the ER this week, which is not funny, but gotta laugh at these things sometimes. Um, Had a little bit of chest pain this week. Have never experienced that in my life. And I think chest pain is one of those things that doctors just obviously take super serious. And if it's constant and persistent, which it has been for me, they really want you to go get it checked out and just make sure it's not your heart or your lungs or a blood clot, something really, really serious. And it wasn't. So (laughs) we're okay. There's no life-threatening danger, but I'm still not sure why it's happening. So that's something I will continue to explore. I got a referral to a cardiac doctor. But yeah, I think, you know, those things always kind of put life in perspective a little bit. And huge shout out to my partner Dylan for just being by my side through the whole thing. I am so somebody who's like, I can go by myself. Why would you need to sit here? It's a waste of your time. But he's just the best. And I was really grateful to have him in there because it's not fun sitting and waiting and getting poked and getting all these tests, but I'm glad we did it. I'm glad I got peace of mind and, you know, I probably didn't rest as much as I should have. I think that's kind of a learning lesson. Can I just say it's, it's hard as an esthetician to take time off. It's because we don't necessarily have like I mean, if you have an email list, you know, you could put an out of office response on. That's actually not a bad idea. Does any, do any estheticians do that when they go on vacation? That's smart. I feel like a lot of us use Instagram when these things kind of come up because it's like, say you're in an emergency, what are you going to do? Get your email out and like put the kind of message on. So sometimes stories is better. But then I... I don't know. This is where vulnerability really is like a double-edged sword for me. Like 
I don't know. I shared a little bit about the situation and then like deleted it because I'm like, ah, I don't want to have, I don't need pity. Like, I don't want anyone to feel bad for me. Like, that's not the point. I just kind of feel like you want to share what's actually going on in your life sometimes. And sometimes it feels silly to just be like posting about skin care and products, even though it's not a superficial topic, but just to go about, you know, your normal, normal content when there's something, you know, important going on. I kind of want to share, but then I feel weird. (laughs) But thank you so much to those of you who just sent me really sweet messages and were so supportive. I just truly love this community so much. You guys really are like my best friends. I'm not just saying that. It's uh, having this community. I just, I could not imagine my life without it. Like you guys are the people I really want to share these things with before a lot of other people in my life. And I'm, I'm just really, really grateful to have that support system. I think having community and a support system is so important for mental health. And it does feel good to kind of vent and share little things sometimes. So I thank you guys for just being along for the ride and always supporting me and not judging me. I love you so much. Let's hop into this episode. (laughs) I'm really excited for this. So I wanted to do an episode on communication because I feel it is one of the most underrated skills in our business. And I think having great communication is what can really separate super strong estheticians from people with really great skills or a technical background from like, you know, really tapping into their true potential. I think there's a lot that goes into communication. And if you have these skills, amazing. If you feel like you don't, and it's something you could improve on, I'm right there with you. And I do think it's a skill that can be sharpened just like anything else. So communication, I think, you know, one of the reasons we can look past communication is a lot of us are giving treatments that are quiet. And, you know, you think of being in a spa as no talking, super relaxing, but there is a lot of communication that goes on for us. And it is so key for our business. And even if there's not a lot of talking in a treatment, there is still some, and there are still nonverbal cues and communication that goes on. There's also communication with our clients, whether it's over email or text message or a phone call, or, you know, say you have students of your own, or you provide mentorship to other esthetician students like myself, or you teach a course and you know you're you're talking to your students. I know there are so many ways in which communication is so integral to this business. So let's let's talk about some of the key components of communication and how we can use communication to our benefit as the esthetician. And by the way, guys, so I'm currently in a program getting a nutrition certification online. 
I've had a few of you ask me about it, and I do highly, highly recommend uh, for a couple of reasons. I think, obviously, nutrition so important to know about, and I personally would like to touch on it in a deeper capacity with my clients as it relates to overall health. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to pursue nutrition. But the second piece of it, why I really love my program, and I know a lot of other health and nutrition programs have this too, is the emphasis on coaching as a skill. And I think estheticians are coaches in a way. And some of us will call ourselves, you know, skin coaches, but I think we can underestimate that too. And I love that this course I'm in, it's called NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine. It's a little bit more geared towards uh, fitness, athletic training, and performance, which I am interested in. But I'm really, really liking this program, and it's actually taught me a lot that relates to aesthetics. Like, you might not expect that, but I've really gotten a lot from this course, and I feel like there's so many chapters in this book where you could replace coach with esthetician, and it would really, really tie in to what we do. So let's get started and talk a little bit about the science and art of communication as it relates to aesthetics. So one quote that is in this chapter, chapter 15, they say, coaches must be able to communicate information in a way that influences decision-making and behavior change. I think that is so, so huge for us estheticians to realize our goal is to influence decision-making and behavior change. So before taking this course, I kind of had the idea that, you know, the results we're getting for our clients are kind of 50-50, right? And I think we hear this a lot and it's not wrong, but let me tell you about this other perspective I've gotten from this course. So, you know, we might think I put in 50% of the effort and my client has to put in 50% of the effort for us to get the overall results. And, you know, when we see an esthetician saying, I have a 95% success rate, most of us are probably thinking like, okay, she's able to transform 95% of the clients she sees. So that basically comes down to like the product she's using and what she's recommending and like the treatments she does. It, it, that is, that is true, but I think communication is a kind of hidden layer of getting our clients these best possible results. And it's like, you can have two estheticians using the same product line. One of them might get better results because of their communication skills. So I just think it's understanding it's not just about your skill set, your technical skill set as an esthetician. It's not all about just, you know, all the courses you've taken and what tools you have in your treatment rooms and what modalities and what products. It's also about the communication side of things. And 
you know, I'd say this is like more of a question I would pose back to you. Do you think it is the esthetician's responsibility to influence that 50% of what the client puts into the program? I used to kind of think it's, uh, it's up to the client, you know, and I think that makes sense too. But from this textbook and from their perspective on coaching, a lot of that responsibility really relies on the professional. So let me just read you this little paragraph. Coaches must work beyond the components of the program design and development and focus on how to implement a program to maximize client adherence and success. In order to succeed at this task, high-level communication is required in which information is effectively shared, client needs and concerns are heard, and solutions for success are created. In other words, The key to being an effective coach is not only having the knowledge needed to help others, but the ability to effectively share that information with others. Coaches must be able to communicate information in a way that influences decision-making and behavior change. So in other words, again, you can have milady the whole textbook memorized. You can have the whole face reality boot camp, uh, boot camp memorized. You could have taken Douglas Preston's course, done all the things. If we cannot communicate that knowledge in a way that our clients resonate with, we're not going to have that great outcome. We're not going to have that 95% success rate. So it's definitely something to think about. And communication is a soft skill. It's not how good you are, you know, obviously at extractions or waxing. It is more about your personal attributes, your bedside manner, your personality, how you can work with others, and how you can speak to clients in a way that allows them to feel valued. What do you think would be the number one tool for effective communication? Like what do you think would make an esthetician a super effective communicator? In my textbook, they say self-awareness is the number one thing. And self-awareness refers to the coach's understanding of their interaction and listening styles, their confidence and conversational habits. An understanding of your own strengths and weaknesses is the first step in building more effective skills as a communicator, which I think it's just so interesting. And sometimes it can be hard to acknowledge, you know, where you could be a little bit weak or where you could improve. But if you can do that, if you can continuously self-evaluate, I think it can only make you better. And we're going to talk about some of the ways in which you could be a more solid communicator, some of the things to kind of take inventory of in terms of your own habits and things that affect your communication style with clients. In the textbook, they point out in a typical conversation, only 7% of the information being shared 
comes from the actual words being used, while most of the message is interpreted through body language, 55%, which includes eye contact and movement and tone of voice. So these are all hugely important things to consider. And if you've ever heard that old adage, it's not what you said that people remember, it's how you made them feel. I think that is kind of like the hidden message here. Your clients are not always going to remember like every little skin tip you ever told them. They're going to remember how they felt in your treatment room, like in your care. They're going to remember these things like your body language and your tone of voice, even if they're resonating on a more subconscious level. These are actually things that can influence your business and influence somebody to come back to see you or, you know, to feel like something about the interaction. It just didn't make me feel seen or heard. So I'm going to go find a provider who does make me feel that way. The book also mentions that the physical environment plays a huge role in the nonverbal side of communication. So that's something we should definitely consider. Of course, we know our spa environment is important, but I like that this kind of highlights the why and how our treatment rooms can be better and our communication can be better, even if you are virtual and just talking to clients over the phone. So any distractions, including clutter, noise, and even air temperature, can affect the quality of the communication taking place. To grow and develop as a successful communicator, coaches must be aware of not only the words they're saying, but how they are communicating non-verbally. With the nature of client-coach communication being about sharing and understanding thoughts, feelings, and needs, nonverbal communication becomes even more important, and coaches may not get a second chance at creating impactful connections with new or potential clients. So I, I can totally relate to this pointer. I will never forget like the worst facial I ever had. Uh, Sorry to be harsh, but it's true. The worst facial I ever had, there were a few things wrong with the the facial. One of them being the provider was not in the room for most of the treatment. Two, the overall environment of the facial. When I walked in, when I opened that door, immediately I knew like I wasn't going to be excited to get the treatment because it felt like a storage room. Like I opened the door, you know, the windows were open. It was bright. (laughs) There was no music playing. There was a lot of clutter, a lot of file cabinets and, you know, just things in the room. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like an intentional space to relax. It felt like I was kind of being put into an environment that was maybe meant for something else. So immediately I didn't feel like this was like a space carved out for me. And that's that's so important. People are paying attention to all of these things. And before the treatment even started, I already had an idea that I kind of wanted to leave. I wasn't looking forward to it. I just knew 
like, you know, when the treatment isn't going to be exceptional, if the provider hasn't paid attention to those little things, they're all part of communication. One of the reasons communication is so important for us is because communication can create trust or a lack of trust. So distrust starts to develop when verbal and nonverbal cues do not match. Verbal cues are, of course, any spoken word and nonverbal cues is basically everything else. Maybe you've had a, a a partner or a friend in the past where, you know, they said one thing or they they texted you one thing and then their behavior was something else that would create distrust if what they're saying and what they're doing isn't lining up. And it's the same thing for us as providers. So an example for us as the esthetician would be, you know, maybe you're in a client consultation or you're doing a skin analysis and you're asking the client to tell you about their concerns and you get a notification on your phone and you you take out your phone and you look at the message and while you're looking at the message you're telling your client oh don't worry I'm listening keep going keep talking. I'm listening, but you're still scrolling on your phone. You're typing back on the message. That actually starts to create distrust because there is a mismatch in the message of what is being said and the behavior that is happening. So I know most of us probably wouldn't do that, but I think there are some ways in which, you know, we can kind of get distracted or maybe we're really stressed or we're really sick. (laughs) Going back to what I said at the beginning of the show, another reason for estheticians to take a break when when we really need it, like, you know, we're really sick or something big is going on in our personal lives. I know it's so tempting to just push through and it's definitely a pain to reschedule people, but I have learned from experience when I kind of try to push through those, uh, you know, signals, you know, my body telling me you need a break, you need just some time to focus on this other situation. When I push through, that's usually the time where I make a mistake or there is a miscommunication or I wasn't fully there as much as I could have been for my client. And I really think in this business, you know, I've had mentors say to me, you want to do it with passion or not at all. Like if you cannot fully be present, if you can't fully focus on your work and the client, you might as well just, you know, take a day off and and reschedule. I know sometimes it's easier said than done. A lot of us get like fully, fully booked out, but maybe that's a reason to leave a little leeway in your schedule if you can, because trust is so important. We know that like we don't ever want to lose that. And we do have to earn our clients trust every single appointment. We can't assume just because somebody's a regular that, you know, they're going to come back forever. We still have to earn their trust every single appointment. And I think, you know, people are smart and energy is real. They can really pick up on it when you're just not fully there. I think nerves is another little thing that can kind of get in the way and 
unfortunately distract from good communication and even good just performance in the treatment room, which is hard. Nerves are something I really struggled with and had to get over. Um, When you're giving facials, you know, for the first time or giving a treatment, whatever you might specialize in, it is normal to feel nervous. But I would recommend, you know, doing what you can to really ground yourself in the moment. Try to make sure your feet are like firmly planted on the floor. I also like to focus on more, I guess you could say like logical things. Like if I'm really nervous, I don't really get too nervous anymore, but I used to. Um, For new clients, you know, you could read some letters backwards from any signage in your room even if there's like a little sign on your steamer you can read those letters backwards this is a technique my therapist actually talked to me about to help with that anxiety you can also really like focus on physical sensations to kind of get back in your body so for example I would focus on the arm massage I'm giving or the chest or shoulder massage I'm giving rather than thinking over and over again, I'm so nervous. Try to really focus on like what you're doing and just feel your hands on their skin. Focus on every single word they say because I think when you just try to bring yourself back to that present moment, that is something people, they feel your present, they feel listened to, they feel heard. And there's nothing, there's nothing worse than being in a treatment and feeling like the provider's head is somewhere else. They want to be somewhere else. They're thinking about something else. They're kind of phoning it in. Just like I would personally rather get up and leave because it's, it's you know, it's their time. And um, I think... It all goes back to that trust and and people want to feel you are fully paying attention and you can trust them when you are in their care. Another example, in your care. Another example, (laughs) when I was getting my hair done once, the person was shampooing my hair and she was talking to me, but I, I could tell she kind of... I think sometimes newer providers have trouble talking and performing the service at the same time. And if that's you, that's okay. No shame in it. I think, you know, we all get better at kind of like multitasking with that over time. But because she was more focused on the conversation, she did end up ripping out some hair. And of course, that's going to create distrust. And I could feel it in the moment when I could start to feel her attention kind of moving away. And I started to get nervous in my body. And of course, a few minutes later, (laughs) hair was ripped out. And, you know, it's okay. These things happen. But if you if you are not in a position where you can totally like multitask, it's okay to just focus on the task at hand and you can let the client know that's why you might be quiet in the moment. So there is a little exercise mentioned in my textbook. So anyone who's not driving a car who wants to do this can. Basically, you're going to stand in front of a full-length mirror and you're going to examine how you look just in your natural stance, how you would normally stand 
in conversation with somebody or should a client walk into your treatment room and you're going to look in the mirror and take a few minutes and kind of stand in different positions with your arms and legs and body postures, examine each position and think about the message you are portraying and how you feel. What feels comfortable to you could kind of come across as lazy or disinterested to others. I know I have a major slouching problem and my posture is kind of atrocious, so I'm working on this, but what feels like relaxed and comfy to you could come across as a little bit sloppy. And this is a form of communication. So you can practice these different positions I also noticed just from like filming myself a bunch and recording videos, you start to notice these things. So you might also do that too. record yourself giving a facial and kind of, you know, see how your posture is. Or if you sit at a front desk and greet clients, you know, maybe have somebody film you and, and see how it looks because that is going to be somebody's first perception walking through your doors. Let's also talk about some overall nonverbal behavior and how you can make it more effective. So number one, body language and posture, which we just touch on a little bit. Examples would be slouching, having your arms crossed, standing or sitting like way too straight, almost like too upright where it looks like robotic or a lot of fidgeting. This is also important for those who, you know, give virtual consultations or have consultations with your client. You don't want to be fidgeting with cords or objects or pens or your hair, anything like that. The ideal behavior would be to kind of mirror the client's behavior not so much so that it's like way too straight or way too slouchy, but kind of mirroring their behavior and maintaining an open position with relaxed arms. You want to be still with hands on your lap or the table if you are sitting at a desk. Or, you know, imagine you're showing your client your retail shelves and what you have on offer. Of course, you want to stand upright and, you know, show them your offerings, but kind of keep your body language open to them rather than closing yourself off or ever putting your back to the client or like they mentioned, like standing, you know, with your arms crossed, which could come across a little bit defensive. Next is facial expression and eye contact. So the kind of more negative nonverbal behavior would be looking down, looking away, looking around, or even like scowling or staring at your client. We want to be approachable, of course, and welcoming. And, you know, I notice being in skin, it's such a vulnerable position. I, I know you guys have experienced this too, where you've noticed in a, a consultation, your client has had a hard time making eye contact. That's one of my favorite things about before and after pictures. Like you can tell when the client doesn't want to look at the camera, they're not happy to be there and take the picture. And hopefully a few months in, they're like, it, it, their whole disposition just changes. You can even see it through a photo, but 
because my business is pretty much all consultation work, I see this a lot and it just goes to show how confidence and how we view ourselves can really impact communication. The ideal behavior, and so say our client is kind of looking away, it's really up to us to kind of model acceptance and it being okay to, you know, have eye contact. So you want to maintain a steady gaze and you might consider cultural differences related to eye contact. Maintain a relaxed face and smile when appropriate, you know, kind of based on what the client is saying and that will communicate authenticity. Next, tone of voice. Oh man, I think I could definitely improve at this. So sometimes I think when we are nervous, we are scared our client isn't going to believe what we say. We might have a tendency to raise our pitch at the end of the sentence, maybe when we're not fully confident, or this is something else I'm working on. Speaking really softly when making a request or asking a difficult question. So say, for example, you're asking your client, do you change your pillowcases regularly? Or how how many times a week would you say you change your pillowcases? I always think it's good to be specific and not, not just ask, do you change your pillowcases? But asking a question like that or asking your client, you know, would you say you consume a lot of whole foods in your diet? Do you consume a lot of fast food or are you somebody who does their routine morning and night? Are you somebody who tries to extract their breakouts at home? Sometimes these are hard and vulnerable questions. And I think especially for empaths, we can kind of perceive how the person might feel answering the question especially if somebody's never learned how to have a proper skincare routine. I think, you know, people can have shame that maybe they they don't wash their face on a regular basis or they don't wear sunscreen or they don't change their pillowcases. Maybe they mostly do eat fast food, but maintaining a level tone across your statements, again, something I'm really working on, it comes across so much stronger. And when you feel awkward and uncomfortable asking a question, how do you think your client's going to feel? Probably a little awkward and uncomfortable to be there. So keeping tone level and using direct language when asking questions. You don't need to beat around the bush. You can always ask, especially if it comes to a sensitive topic like food. I like to ask, is it okay if we go over some specific acne trigger foods together? And once you get their approval, by the way, I think people really appreciate that. More people have sensitive food histories than we might know. But I feel like when you ask and and leave things like a little open-ended and just give the client reassurance that like, you know, we're respecting their, their right to share this information, I think people feel a lot more comfortable. Kind of getting that permission might allow you to communicate more confidently. 
Lastly, rate and volume of speech. So I've been told I'm a very slow talker. Some people like that. Maybe some people don't. But you want to try to avoid talking very slow or very fast and try to avoid speaking very softly or very loudly. Of course, I think in a spa our voices are going to be definitely a little bit lower, but it should never really be like a whisper. <laughs> I think that could come across a little bit creepy. So not speaking too, too softly where it's like ASMR, but you know, speaking at an appropriate tone for the spa. And of course you wouldn't want to be talking too loudly when your client is trying to relax. The ideal behavior is mirroring the speech rate of the other person unless it is extreme. I'm sure we've all had those like super fast talking clients. And if you are able to speak at a normal pace, it might actually help them kind of slow down and relax a little bit. And then lastly, you want to establish steady rate of speech with clearly enunciated words. My mom is an English teacher. She taught high school English and my whole life she was so on me about pronouncing words and I still think I could do better. But I do appreciate you mom because I think that is important. If your clients have a hard time like actually hearing what you're saying, hearing your directions, they're probably not going to trust the recommendation as much and they might be too shy to like ask you to repeat yourself. And especially over like FaceTime when sometimes sound can cut out when you are talking over each other, I just try to communicate really clearly, make sure everything is heard and enunciated. Here is another little exercise that you can do if you are in a space to do so. And if you do a podcast of any kind, you are basically doing this all the time, which is recording yourself and reading an article out loud or sharing a story and recording yourself. This will give you insight into how fast or slow you talk and how easy or difficult your words are to hear and understand. Sometimes we have no idea how we come across to others and <laughs> it's hard to hear your own voice. Like that's the reason we don't want to listen to our own voice messages or voicemails. When I started recording myself, it was so hard to listen to a full episode because I'd pick everything apart. But over time, as you kind of listen and hear yourself, it I do think it helps you to become a more effective communicator. The next important piece of communication is really kind of trying to go the extra mile to understand our clients' emotions and apprehensions. So think about like before you got into aesthetics, before you ever got a facial, how did you feel about like going to get that treatment? Or before you ever invested in a skincare routine, like how did you feel when you just saw people sharing these like expensive $200 serums on Instagram? Or, you know, maybe you have friends who have never invested in a facial treatment or home care and they just don't fully get it. I know we've all had clients who are maybe super anxious to meet us or 
really, really excited or even skeptical. I have some clients who might have seen all the derms and gotten lots of facials before, and they've never seen success with their skin. So obviously they're going to be a little skeptical that I can help them just by looking at some pictures and talking to them on FaceTime. So we want to be aware of this. And if you're in a situation like that where you sense somebody is uncomfortable or you sense somebody is kind of distrustful, I think it's a good time to kind of pause and maybe ask a question like, how are you feeling right now? And, and you know, use their name in the sentence. Are you, is there anything you need, anything that can give you to make you feel comfortable or what thoughts are kind of going through your head right now? I think if you can show that self-awareness, show that you are noticing the signs of maybe, you know, somebody being a little closed off, that is an opportunity to strengthen the coach-client relationship. And that will actually increase your likability and your approachability. If somebody feels you kind of get them like you're self-aware, they are going to want to come to you. And over time, they may share more. And that is really what we are after. Okay, I want to try to kind of get through this whole episode. I think we can do it. I don't think it's going to be like over an hour. So I'm going to give you all the information. I know this is a lot. So if you need to pause and come back to this, you totally can. But we'll continue on. The next thing that is important to consider is our word choice. Now, I think this can be kind of a gray area because a lot of us estheticians have different relationships with all of our clients. A lot of times we can feel really comfortable and like a client is our family or friend, but we still want to be aware that all words have meaning and we want to try to choose words that don't elicit a negative emotional response. So one way we can do this is to really try to keep all of our communication and word choices with our clients as positive goal behaviors. And I think as estheticians, let's take an acne client, for example, we as the professional might know a whole laundry list of things our client shouldn't do, shouldn't use, shouldn't put on their face, habits they need to avoid, foods they need to avoid. This is all important stuff, and it's not to say you can't communicate those things with your client. But if you can find a positive angle, know that that's going to be so much more motivating for a client. I, early on in my career on, in working with clients with acne, I would feel like, okay, I just need to communicate, you know, all these things that they shouldn't do. And if, if we can do that, we'll have the perfect equation. Like in meeting one, if I can just tell them all the things they need to avoid, we're going to have great success. Their skin is going to be perfect. It should be so easy. You know, they just follow this advice and we, you know, we have success. Not always the case. 
for a lot of clients, especially if these are lifelong behaviors, it can really take time. And sometimes it's just so much more effective to work on things slowly or work on one little thing at a time. If you do identify it as a trigger, sometimes really focusing on that one thing before you cut out a bunch of stuff or, you know, tell them all of this all of these ways they need to kind of overhaul their lifestyle. A lot of times that just leads people to give up and just kind of feel like this is overwhelming. I can't do that. But when people achieve those little milestones over time, they're going to gain confidence. They're going to be sharing more with you. And ultimately in these challenging situations with clients, I think that's how you can achieve a higher success rate. You're you're probably going to have certain clients that they're just like, "Okay, I'm in. Tell me everything. I want to know I want to know it all. I'm committed." And then you're going to have people you just really need to utilize these communication tactics with a little bit more. So as the esthetician, we want to focus on positive goal behaviors. So an example, let's say you have a client who's never had a skincare routine before. They don't wash their face. They don't treat their skin. They don't wear sunscreen. The goal is to not skip their skincare routine. The method to meet the goal is going to be to have a morning and nighttime routine. And what we can focus on as the client and the esthetician is providing that client a plan, a structure, a treatment plan, a step-by-step of the products they're going to use, keeping it more simple and straightforward if it's somebody who hasn't used many products before, and providing options that are reasonable for them, right? I'm not going to suggest a $200 is clinical serum for them if they have only been using the ordinary and they're not quite like they don't quite understand if skincare is even something that is worth investing in. Some people are open to that, but you know, maybe keeping things more realistic to what is feasible for the client. So that's how we can adjust a behavior. And then of course, we want to be a resource for them to help them stay accountable. So how can we help our clients be accountable? One of the ways we can do this is to frame the plan and all of your communication in a positive way that allows us to use positive words and to naturally talk about success. I have a client who struggled with her skin for years. She'll kind of go in and out of certain habits. And, you know, the other day she came to me and said, I'm just always going to have bad skin. My skin is always going to be like this. What is even the point? I'm just not meant to have nice skin. And they're already talking themselves into a negative outcome. This is where we as the coach, it's not that we're going to tell them, you know, it's not that we're going to promise them the world that in something that's not realistic for them, but it is up to us to really reframe the situation and remind the client what is realistic, what you have accomplished before, what is possible, and really keep the communication 
positive, of course, right? So that's where I would remind her, let's take a look back at, you know, our before and afters this time of year. What was going on then? What were we doing differently? You know, we've seen that the plan it can work, it does work, but it is, you know, a matter of, you know, keeping our mind on the goal and implementing those daily steps for success. Something else I don't think is talked about enough is really celebrating and acknowledging our clients. It might feel to us like, of course you're going to do your skincare routine. Of course you're not going to sleep with your makeup on. Of course you're going to wear your sunscreen. But to somebody else, this might be a big deal. And your clients are definitely going to come to you and say something like, Tess, you know, I've been using my sunscreen every single day. I even reapply on my lunch break. And again, to you, it might seem like, of course, of course, we, we have to do that. <laughs> that is, you know, just the basics. But it's all about celebrating the little wins and matching their energy, especially when somebody's coming to you sharing this news. You are their hype person. You really want to kind of join in in that celebration with them. And every healthy choice or, you know, positive step the client is taking for themselves it does deserve recognition and celebration. So creating a positive and supportive environment is really going to create a more positive emotion attached to you and about the program. I think we've kind of heard, you know, people say like, I had a cheat day, my trainer's going to kill me. And it's like, does that help anyone? Does that make anyone anyone want to stay on track with their nutrition goals? No, it makes you just not want to tell your coach that, you know, you ate fast food all day <laughs> and it makes you feel guilty. And then that fast food, that becomes, you know, a coping strategy. It becomes almost like a dirty secret or something they feel like is like a comfort to go to when they're having a bad day. And they almost feel like it's like a more closeted type of behavior when you create an open environment. When your client comes to you and says, yeah, I really, you know, I messed up this week. I fell off the wagon. I was traveling. I didn't bring my routine. You know, some estheticians might act a certain way in that situation or, you know, uh, think they're doing the right thing by saying like, yeah, that was really not smart. We were doing so good. Why would you forget your stuff? You know, it's important. And, you know, we just have to recognize that type of negative Feedback is not what's going to make people feel comfortable and confident. Setbacks are going to happen and it can be frustrating for sure as the esthetician because it, it can't feel like I'm doing everything I possibly can. I just want to help you succeed. Can't you just bring your products with you on the vacation? But, you know, we just have to kind of go into working with every client. Just expect just expect that, you know, setbacks are going to happen. It is part of life and it is our job not to say like, oh, it's, it's no big deal, you know, who cares? It's just a few days. It's just encouraging that positive behavior saying, you know, 
there's no wagon. We can get, we can pick up where we started. You know, sometimes these things happen, but all we can do is put our best effort in moving forward, follow the routine and stay consistent with it. I know so many of us are emailing clients, texting clients, and there are a few things we can do to really ensure clarity and quality in our messaging. The number one thing I would say is only responding to clients when you are in a place to do so, or honestly, really (laughs) responding to anyone in business when you are in a place to do so. So, you know, it wouldn't be the best idea to return all of your emails after a long day in the spa when you're tired and hungry and you need to get home. It's better to save that for when you are fresh because the last thing we want is our message to be misinterpreted or for somebody to take away a meaning that they didn't need to from the message. We want to make sure to proofread, double check for any kind of inconsiderate errors. A big one is spelling the client's name right and always double checking in your communication that you are spelling their name correctly. There's a great book called How to Win Friends and Influence People, one of my favorite books, and it talks about how our name is like everyone's favorite word. And it's so true. Think about how good it feels when somebody says your name in conversation or somebody does say your name right. I think we've A lot of us, I should say, have had those experiences in roll call where somebody like says our name wrong, calls me Zoli, something like that. It's not that they intended to be mean, but you kind of just feel like "Eh, I'm a little less significant. In your place of business, you want all of your clients to feel they are significant and important. I have accidentally spelled a client's name wrong. Her name is Haley. I spelled it with an I, there's no I, and I just felt so bad. I knew she was cool and was understanding, but you can kind of sense when people are like, eh, just another person who, you know, spelled my name wrong. So you want to be the person who gets it right. And we definitely never want to come across cold or short-tempered. And things do come up in communication. Things do come up in skincare. It's so personal. It can take some time to see results. And there will be times maybe you don't get a product recommendation right for somebody. It does happen. Sometimes, you know, emotions can be high and if there's a certain expectation, somebody's disappointed, they felt like they invested a lot of money, they didn't get what they wanted out of it, these things will come up, right? So we want to make sure we are in the place to respond. So things, things will come up, you know, in life, but we just want to make sure we're communicating a desire to improve and really make our clients feel seen and heard and valued. Sometimes they just want to vent. They were disappointed and they want to express that and that is okay. So trying not to add any emotional charge to the communication doesn't mean you can't have boundaries, but trying to remain calm and professional will truly save you. And just remember, like when something is in writing, it's there forever. So it's best to take your time and step away if you need to, rather than 
send a message you might regret. Lastly, I think this is a really good one to end on and just so important. We as the esthetician need to expect that we're going to have a diverse range of clientele, no matter where you went to school, even if everyone was the same ethnicity in your hometown, when you are licensed and out there, expect expect just a range of people, ethnicities, age, sexual orientation, gender, socioeconomic status. Everybody is going to bring something unique to the table and that might affect how they communicate with you. I think it's so important to remember no one person is going to be more likely to succeed with their skin just based upon how they look. So you really want to take the time to get to know each individual client and kind of understand their needs and preferences when it comes to communication. And we never want our biases to influence how we treat somebody, both like how we treat them as a person and how we treat their skin. You never want to count the money in someone's pocket, which is kind of an old phrase we hear in aesthetics, but it's so true. You can't make any judgments about what somebody's going to be willing to spend or you know how much effort they're going to be willing to commit to the routine until you talk to them, until you ask them. Holding stereotypes on certain people or groups is really just going to impede your business and your success, and it's going to impede the client's success. We cannot assume because maybe somebody has a full face of acne that they're going to be unwilling to change their lifestyle and change their routine and learn some new habits. An example in the nutrition book is we can't assume that all overweight people overeat and are lazy and don't want to make a change. You never really know and you have to just assume that you do have the potential to help and improve somebody's life. Okay, guys, that is my spiel. I know this was a long one. It was a lot of information. It was kind of like a little class or workshop. Please let me know what you thought. I hope you learned something. I know I did even just reading through this chapter again. So thank you so much for listening. I look forward to hearing how you liked the episode, seeing your shares on social media. Don't forget, you can always tag me on Instagram at mysdtessa. I'm also on TikTok at mysdtessa and YouTube. And of course, I have this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your inbox weekly. And that's it, guys. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you next week. 